Okay, Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Tibbin qunubi wa dua'iha wa afiyat al-abdani wa shifa'iha wa nuru al-busari wa diya'iha wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Bismillah. Left off in the work of uh, Imam al-Muhasibi radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Risalatul Mustabshideen, the treaties for those who are seeking guidance. Treaties for those who are seeking guidance. So one of the first things that we should pause with, since we're resuming this now after some time, and we won't be, <laughs> we'll have this session, and then we're off again until January. So alhamdulillah that we're together. And uh, But we can take pause with the title of the text. The title of the text is a, a letter or an essay or a work for those who are seeking guidance. So the first thing that we should be doing is we should be making intention. Ya Allah, I'm here to seek guidance. There's a lot of other things that we could be here for. MashaAllah, Marcus's cooking is high on that list. And good company is high on that list. To enjoy the beautiful Southern California weather is high on that list. Uh, but should primarily be that I'm here because I'm trying to seek guidance. And then we say, Bismillah, Ya Rabb, Ftahni, Abwab al Hidayah. Allah, open for me the doors for guidance. And then let's see what the Imam has to say, inshaAllah. So we left off at the following. Haythu qal al Musannifu, Rahimahullah ta'ala, wa nafa'allahu yahu biyahuni fi darain, Ameen. فَطْلُبْ آثَارَ مَنْ زَادَهُ الْعِلْمُ خَشْيَةً وَلَعَمَلُ بَصِيرًا وَلَعَقْلُ مَعْرِفًا فَإِنْ حَجَبَكَ عَنْ مِنْهَاجِهِمْ فَقْتُ الْعَدْبِ فَرْجِعْ بِالذَّمِّ عَلَى نَفْسِكَ وَلَنْ يَخْفَى عَلَى أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ سِبَتُ الْمُخْلِسِينَ Alright, as usual, he brings the heat from the beginning. Let's see. He says, seek the traces of the following. Okay, so now he's going to tell us who to look for. Seek the traces of the following. Seek the traces of the following. SubhanAllah. You know, one of the things we always say is that uh, or one of the concepts we always talk about here is this idea that just because a lot of people aren't doing something doesn't make it the truth, right? Like, just because a lot of people aren't maintaining a certain standard doesn't mean that that thing is no longer the standard. And one of the nice things about reading these kind of works and the works of um, the, the righteous people is that they remind us that there is a standard. We, re we read the life of the Prophet wasallam. it's a reminder to us that there is a standard and we should seek to uphold that standard. So he's saying, what is it that we should be looking for? Who should we be looking for? Seek the traces of those who do the following. Zadahu al-ilmu khashya wal-amalu basira. So the first two that he mentions are that the, the look for the person who, when they increase in knowledge, they increase in khashya. They increase in knowledge, they increase in khashya. Khashya is like a fear and awareness of Allah. Right? One of the things that's well known in Islamic studies actually is that some of the disciplines of Islamic studies left to their own devices will do the opposite of this for people. 
So for example, if someone spends a lot of time uh, digging deep into the matters of the law, oftentimes it will lead to a certain hardness of heart. And if someone spends a lot of time delving into issues of philosophy and theology and all of these kind of things, also it will often lead to a hardness of heart. And that's why these texts, <coughs> especially in the later works, will often have other parts to them. In the big works, no, but in the beginning works, there'll be like a section on aqidah, maybe a section on tazkiyah or spirituality or tasawwuf or whatever, because to, to even out the person's flavor, you know? Like, it's known, if, you, if you're just studying fiqh all the time, it becomes a problem. And the person who studies fiqh all the time, also they're able to find the loopholes for themselves. They can essentially justify all kinds of things for themselves. Right? So they have to keep the company, people who increase them in their taqwa. So you don't want the person who just increases in knowledge. You want the person whose increase in knowledge increases them also in a fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have this kind of awareness. And the person whose actions increase them in basira. SubhanAllah, this is an interesting one. So they increase in their actions, but the increase in their actions also has a corresponding increase. Because this too we can see, right? Someone, they, mashallah, they learn a little bit. And as they learn a little bit, they make intention to practice it. And they begin to practice it. And that practice doesn't actually change them very much. Right? This is a very scary thing, actually. But if we think about it, and we think about our life experiences, the people we've been around, we've probably seen things like this. You know, someone, mashallah, they do all of the things you're supposed to do. You know, they pray all of their prayers. They do all of their fasting. They, they're always in all the gatherings. They're going to all of these things, so on and so forth. But you don't see like a quality to them changing. That the amal... The action that they do increases them in their insight. The, the action that they do increases them in their insight. He tells us, Abu Ghudda rahimahullah mentions a story here. Uh, Alhamdulillah, we were able to, on our trip, at least I was only with my son at that time, but we got to make intention to visit. Shaykh Abdul Fatah Abu Wudda, read Surah Al Fatiha for him, make dua for him, because he's buried in Bakiya, right next to the Masjid al Nabawi. Right? So he mentions here in, in the footnote that look at the example of Imam al Bukhari. The Imam al Bukhari. Look at this story, it's a really interesting story. The Imam al Bukhari. That he was in the Masjid. Uh, actually, they said we were in his Majlis. His majlis was in the masjid. That's usually where these things would take place. كُنَّ فِي مَجْلِسِ أَبِي عَبْدِ اللَّهِ الْبُخَارِي رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَنْهُ فَرَفَعَ إِنْسَانٌ قَذَاتًا مِنْ نِحْيَتِهِ وَتَرَحَا إِلَى الْأَرْضِ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ So what happened, they said, we're in the gathering of Al-Bukhari and a person had like some sort of thing that was, uh, you know, something they wanted to get rid of in their beard. Maybe it was some food, maybe it's some, something, I don't know, whatever it was, it was in their beard. And they took it from their beard and they threw it in the masjid. Okay? Masjid was usually dirt, wasn't like sand, right? So it's not the same. <laughs> it's not like, don't imagine they threw it on the carpet or something. <laughs> it's just like a sand masjid. They throw it in the sand. Uh, he says, So we saw in Bukhari, the person who's narrating it, he says, So I saw in Bukhari, look at it, and then look at the people. 
So it's his gathering. So he saw what happened. He looked at it. He looks at the people. He says, so when he noted, when he, he waited for a time when the people weren't really paying attention. When he noticed that the people weren't paying attention, he reached himself for this, uh, I don't know what to translate qada as, but like something that you don't like. He, he reached his hand to it, and he took it, and he put it in his sleeve, okay, when people weren't looking. And then he kept it there. Until uh, <clears throat> until he started to leave from when he left from the masjid, then this man is the man's watching, right? He says, "I was watching, and I saw that when he left from the masjid, he took it out of his sleeve now and he threw it on the like somewhere appropriate to leave it." Right? So he's saying this is a person who his his increase in good actions increased him in insight. Because look at the the, the depth of the action. I was like, okay, here's a good thing. I'm just going to do these good things and whatever, and I'm going to pick up this trash. And pick it. Well, he did it in such a way, I'm going to make it as discreet as possible. So he said, I'm going to do this good thing, and I'm going to hide it from other people as much as I can. This is one of the qualities of righteous people, is that they'll, they'll be around other people, and they'll do whatever they need to do, and if it has to be apparent, they'll make it apparent. But if they can hide it, they'll hide it. It's not, it's not either or necessarily, right? If you can hide it, he hides it. So he did that. He said, فَقَدْ صَانُ رَحِمُهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ أَرْضَ الْمَشْجِدِ عَمَّا تُصَانُ عَنْهُ لِحِيَتُهُمْ إِنَّهَا بَصِيرُةٌ عِلْمِ وَالْعَمَنْ He says, so this is uh, an example of how he wanted the masjid to... It's not even necessarily like something... It's just anything that was in the person's beard. They threw it and he wanted to get rid of it. He wanted to keep the masjid clean. Allah forgive us. وَالْعَقْلُ مَعْرِفَةً so the third one he mentions is that the person's increase in their intellect increases them in a knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we've talked about before this idea that the intellect has to be cultivated, it has to be developed. The intellect has to be cultivated, it has to be developed. Such that we think properly, and and really, this is something like I've, I I know I emphasized this before, and I emphasize it again. Every single person has to put effort into the constant cultivation of their brain, not their information, not the knowledge that they've learned, the actual capacity of their mind to think properly. The capacity of the mind to think properly is not such a simple thing. You know, it requires a lot of discipline. It requires a lot of spiritual development. It requires a lot of pause with oneself to be like, wait a second, am I drawing a reasonable conclusion from this thing that I'm seeing or hearing? Am I, am, is this something that I can truly um, um, uh, derive from this thing? Is, it, is, it, is this a proper conclusion? Is it not? Is it, what might be the things that I should consider? We have to actually train ourselves in this. But even if a person trains themselves, maybe they train themselves for their mind to be very sharp. And they think properly, mashallah. But it could be that they do all of that and it doesn't actually increase them in ma'rifah. Right? SubhanAllah. Maybe they spend all this time trying to cultivate the mind and it doesn't increase them in their, in their awareness and relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then what would all of that intellect be used for? What is the good of all of that intellect? The brain has been developed, it's been, it's been this and that and so on And then now but they still can't understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So what was the use of all of that? SubhanAllah 
You know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us insight and ma'rifah. May He give us ma'rifah. You know, this is a... Uh, you know, subhanAllah. They, 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 some of the righteous people, they said, what is a person found if they, if they lost Allah? Wajada wa faqada. You know, like lost and found. Like what, what did they find if they lost Allah? And, and, and what can they possibly lose if they found Allah? What can what? <coughs> it's a matter of ma'rifa. It's not a matter of like, I know that Allah is one, and but it's like, do you really know? You know, but do you really know? You know the Prophet ﷺ is the Prophet ﷺ, but do you really know that he's the Prophet ﷺ? It has to be this ma'rifa is a matter of like the depth of the knowledge, you know, that a person uh, becomes deeper and deeper in their knowledge. <coughs> فَإِنْ حَجَبَكَ عَنْ مِنْهَاجِهِمْ فَقْتُ الْأَدْبِ فَارْجِعْ بِالذَّمِّ عَلَى نَفْسِكَ وَلَنْ يَخْفَى عَلَى أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ سَفَةُ الْمُخْلِسِينَ He says, so, the words are um, really important actually. If, if, if you are veiled from their way, if you are veiled from their way as a result of your lack of adab, then blame yourself. If you're veiled from their way because of the result of your lack of adab, then blame yourself. Again, as we always say, many people are going to hear this and they're going to think of like spiritual abuse cases, they're going to think of all kinds of extreme situations and so on. No, it, if, if we're not able to benefit from righteous, from people who, uh, like some people, you're not supposed to benefit from them anyways. <laughs> maybe, they're, they're, maybe they're not someone we should be benefiting every, from anyways, you know. But if if a person really meets these qualities, and we're not able to see them, right? And this is you know Subhanallah. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give us insight. May Allah give us clear vision. May Allah help us to see things as they are. May Allah help us to be in the company of good people and to really benefit from them, and to see see the good from them. Uh, and and may we not be prevented from their company and their and their their the good benefit of their company and their du'a and stuff like that because of our own shortcomings. But like sometimes one of the one of the challenges is like if I'm very hurt, then all I see in the world is hurt. And if I have a lot of pain, all I see in the world is a lot of pain. And if I've seen a lot of people with bad manners and bad character and a lot of people are untrustworthy and so on and so forth, then all I see in the world is people who have bad character and people who are untrustworthy. And so then I have things inside of myself that I have to work through a little bit in order to be able to see what other people can offer. And again, we, that's not like some naivete. We don't want to open the doors to bad things, but there, are, there is good in the world. And we want to be able to see it. So he's saying if there's people who meet these qualities, you know, the ones that were mentioned, and you're not able to see that they have a path that, that is there, then you know, look to yourself to see what can be. Uh, can be addressed. The second, the, the line at the end, there's different ways to understand it. I'm just going to skip it because I don't know how I should translate it and I don't want to turn it into something other than what it is, so we're just going to skip it. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ فِي كُلِّ فِكْرَةٍ أَدَبًا وَفِي كُلِّ إِشَارَةٍ عِلْمًا 
وَإِنَّمَا يُمَيِّزُ ذَلِكَ مَنْ فَهِمَ عَنَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَنْ مُرَادَهُ وَجَنَا فَوَائِذَ الْيَقِينِ مِنْ خِطَابِهِ So he says, and know that in every moment of reflection there is an adab. And in everything that happens around us, there are things to learn from it. And the ones who are able to distinguish that are the ones who really understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and have reaped the benefits that come with having certainty about his guidance. This is kind of a complicated sentence, so we're going to try to focus on what's more tangible about it. What's tangible about it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us guidance, especially in the Qur'an. And one of the ways that we should come to the Qur'an is with a heart that knows that there is that has absolute certainty in what, the, what Allah has given us in the Qur'an is true. Because one of the things that stops us from benefiting is when we have a lack of trust. That's totally understandable in human beings. <laughs> you know? uh, sometimes there's very good reason to have some lack of trust in human beings. And human beings have to earn that trust at some level. But when it comes to Allah, we have to have trust in what He's saying. Okay, so this is the book of Allah. If there's anything that we can have trust in in all of this crazy insanity that we live in, it's the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if Allah has given us guidance in His book, which He has, then I have to come to His book with absolute certainty that this book is guidance and I can take guidance from it. Because it's, it's revealed for us. It's revealed for us to take guidance from it. So I'm going to come to this book now with certainty. And I'm going to try to understand it. And I'm going to try to understand what Allah has given me and the principles that are there in the Qur'an and so on. And as I try to do that, then that will be... Uh, as I do that, I will increase in my understanding of what Allah is trying to give me from this book. And if I do that, then the reflections that I have and the lessons that I learn from life will be better, essentially. So the person who trains himself on that then they'll realize, even when he says, you know, is, is an edic, uh, in, um, There's a piece of this is saying, like, every time I sit down to reflect on something, there's adab to have about it. So part of that, again, is disciplining the mind. It's not that every single thing that we think is okay. It's not that every single thing that we think should be left to be thought. It's not that every single thing needs to be entertained. It can be acknowledged. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be entertained. So there's an adib to have there. And then everything that happens in life, there's, a, there's signs in it. We should be careful in this, that we don't become delusional. We've talked about this before as well. That sometimes when people start looking for signs too much, they become a little bit delusional. You know, They start seeing a lot of things that maybe actually aren't there. So again, all of these pieces go together. We discipline the mind to think properly. We discipline the heart to be able to be sound. We discipline our character and our manners to be in line with the Sharia and the Sunnah of the Prophet We do all of these things together so that all of that when it comes together, and sometimes there will be things that are clear signs, and we'll be able to pay attention to them. We'll be able to see them. And that maybe when there's places where we shouldn't be taking a conclusion, we won't take the conclusion. وَعَلَامَةُ ذَلِكَ فِي الصَّادِقِ إِذَا نَظَرَ 
وإذا صمت تفكر وإذا تكلم ذكر وإذا منع صبر وإذا أعطي شكر وإذا ابتلي استرجع وإذا جهن عليه حلم وإذا علم تواضع وإذا علم رفق وإذا سئل بذنا سبحان الله His language is really incredible So he says what is the sign of all that for the person who is true The person who is true, the sadiq person's true they're trying to do this thing they're trying to get it right they get it right what is the sign how do they act how do they act first one is that when they observe things they take a lesson when they observe things they take a lesson there's um <coughs> subhanallah you know i think that one of the things that really scares me is the noise that we live our lives with in terms of information and just always having to do something always having to read something always having to listen to something not having time to just be and what it does is it it actually limits the person from their ability to reflect properly and to take lessons properly because everything is being fed right so now i lose the capacity to look at something and and, and take a lesson from it but actually, if the mind is sound and the heart is sound, I should be able to look at things and take lessons. They say, it's Allahu alam if it's a true story or not, but you can take the lesson from it. <laughs> no pun intended. And that's the... Abu Hanifa, they say that when he wanted to start his journey of seeking knowledge, he started to think about the different areas of Islamic studies. And he started to reflect upon what is the end game of it. Right? So he's like, he started to think about the field of theology. And he was like, what happens if I become a scholar of theology? He said, so he sat down and he thought about it. And he's like, then I'll argue with people. And sometimes I'll be right and sometimes I'll be wrong. And maybe I'll get major things wrong. At the end of the day, I'll just be argumentative. I'm, su I'm summarizing it, right? And, and he's like, and I don't want it, that to be the end for me. So then he looked, he said, what, is, what, is, uh, what happens to the person who specializes in hadith? person who specializes in hadith, they memorize a lot of hadith, they learn a lot of hadith, they become well known for that, they become well respected, they get old, their memory starts to fail them a little bit, and people say, oh so and so, their memory is not as strong as it used to be, don't take from them now, he said, I don't want that to be what happens to me. And then he said, what about the people who do fiqh? And he started to think about fiqh and like halal and haram and understanding and so on, and he said, okay, I'm going to go down this route. My point is not the details of all of it, my point is to say that he sat down and he thought about the situation and he was able to come to some relevant and useful knowledge after thinking about the situation right? so what is the sign of the person who is sincere and good with Allah and they've spent effort in all of these things when they see something they take the lesson from it you know, and, and, you know, one of the tragedies I think of our culture that we live in is this obsession with like young people have to figure out things themselves and they don't have to listen to older people. And this is really like, subhanAllah, ghabawa mutlaqa. It's, it's absolute stupidity. It's absolute stupidity, really. Like, subhanAllah, what do you lose by listening to someone who's already done it? And they're telling you, it's not a good move. It doesn't mean that you have to listen, necessarily listen to everything that they say. It doesn't mean that you have to follow exactly what they say, so on and so forth. But like, isn't it kind of foolish to like replay the same tape over and over and over again? Now, there's a reason why, like, 
May Allah help us, but there's some cultures they still have it. It's a really good thing. You have children, of course, in a household. You have adults, they come and visit. Once the children get to an age that they're old enough to sit down and listen and stuff like that, what is their job when there's a guest? Sit down and be quiet. Yeah, people don't like it, you know? <laughs> sit down and be quiet. There's a bunch of people in the room, they're 20 years older than you, 30 years older than you, 40 years older than you. Assuming they're good people, right? Some people, they don't have any benefit to their conversation. But let's assume that they're good people. You're in the presence of good people. Your job is to sit and listen. Is it boring? Is it what you want to talk about? Is it, you know, I just really want to scroll something again. Like, the agitation that we have is a problem. I just sit and listen. You know. A lot of things can be learned. Ask good questions. No, it's not that you can't talk, but like, Sit and listen, ask some good questions. You know, subhanAllah, oh, you went to college before, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you have any advice? I'm in high school, what do you think I should do? You know, like I'm having this situation, what do you think about this situation? Benefit, benefit from the experience of other people, benefit from the wisdom of other people. This is what communities are supposed to do, right? And this idea that like, no, I just have to figure it all out myself. And all of these people who are older than me, they don't understand anything, and they don't know anything, and they don't, all of this kind of stuff, like, no, that's totally wrong. Uh, so we should be able to sit and, and, and see things and take a lesson from it. Like a lot of things, even in, in our own lives, they happen around us, right? Like you might go to school, and you might see that when you're in school, there's people who are always trying to do things to be popular. And if you watch long enough, you realize that their popularity passes. Because they're trying too hard. So it's like, they, they might do something, everyone will like them, everyone will like them, everyone will like them, then do something else, no one will like them anymore, and it'll pass. And you could watch that and take a lesson. And be like, subhanAllah, I don't want to be like that. I want to be steady in the way that I am. I want to make, I want to do things based on my own experiences and so on. Uh, based on like wisdom and knowledge and everything else. Okay, anyways, too much. That if they're quiet, they use that time of quiet for contemplation. This to us in the first place is like foreign now because nobody's quiet anymore. <laughs> but you can imagine that there used to be people in the past, and perhaps they still exist in certain places, they were quiet, you know? I saw some guy on one of our trips and I was like, man, subhanAllah, a poor person who's sitting in a position in a place that rich people seek. No, subhanAllah. He's like simple guy sitting on, the, sitting on the side of the Red Sea with nothing to do, staring out onto the water. I was like, subhanAllah, like people would pay thousands of dollars to do what this guy is doing right now. He's just sitting here looking at the water, relaxing, you know, probably between work or between whatever. But if, if they're quiet, then they have something to reflect about. Meaning like they have some sort of control over their mind. And they go quiet, they can direct it in certain places, they can think about things that are worthy of being thought about, and so on. وَإِذَا تَكَلَّمَ ذَكَرُ وَإِذَا مُنِعَ صَبَرُ وَإِذَا أُعْتِيَ شَكَرُ That if they speak, they speak with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They speak with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That I think is self-explanatory. 
And if they are deprived of something, they have patience. And if they are given something, they have gratitude. If they are deprived of something, they have patience. And if they are given something, they have gratitude. You know, this is, these two are like very central teachings of Islam. And you'll read them over and over and over again in books and stuff. And they really don't come to life unless you do them. You know, they really don't come to life unless they do them. So like maybe some people might be a little bit cold. Maybe they didn't uh, realize that we sit outside and expose ourselves to this together. Uh, maybe whatever. Maybe some people might be a little bit cold. right? So they've been deprived of that warmth. They've been deprived of that blanket or that coat or whatever else it might be. So what do they do? They have patience. Sabr. over this thing. Maybe they didn't get something that they wanted. They have sabr. Sabr is extremely important. And again, you know, part of the challenge of the culture that we live in is that it doesn't breed sabr. It doesn't teach us to have sabr. It actually teaches us the opposite. That I have to get things immediately. And anytime I don't get them immediately, either it's a thing or it's a piece of information or whatever it is. Whatever it is that I want, I need it right away. And when I don't get it, I'm afflicted with anxiety. Because this patience is not there. It's a muscle. We have to, we have to uh, um, like cultivate it. You know? So sometimes we don't get what we want. Whatever it might be. Material or immaterial. Physical, metaphysical, whatever. Sometimes we don't get the things that we want. And we have a little bit of patience. Sometimes we get the things that we want. We have to have gratitude. So alhamdulillah, we have a little bit of patience. Then we finish. And we have some dinner. And when we have dinner... Food is put there, and we are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thank you, Ya Rabb. What a gift. What a gift food is. What a gift food made by, you know, people and volunteers sitting over there cutting vegetables and stuff, mashallah. That's what it looks like, at least. Bismillah. And, uh, like, that's a beautiful thing. So, I'm grateful for that. Like, to be able to come together, I'm grateful for that. SubhanAllah, one of the things that one of our teachers, we, got, we were able to see him on this trip. We'll save any trip questions for post-recording, okay? If anyone has any trip questions, post-recording trip questions. Uh, one of our teachers, we saw him on this trip, and one of the things that we were telling him was like, we're seeing in our communities a lot of despair, a lot of hardship around people just feel all kinds of, um, to put it colloquially, they feel all kinds of way about living in this country. You know, They're just really conflicted. And he said, yeah, I understand. And he said, but one of the things to remember is that you are still able to do things in that country that many people are not able to do. He said, people have... He didn't say all of them, because usually he says as little as possible, and it's your job to kind of fill in the blank. <laughs> you know? But there's a lot of things that we can do that a lot of people can't do. Like, believe it or not, you do believe it, I'm sure. But meeting like this in the Haramein is impossible. We spent the whole trip trying to figure out where can we meet. How can we sit together and talk? Can't do it. You can't just sit like this. In, in Mecca or Medina, you can't sit like this. You'll be in trouble. You, and afterwards, you went to Egypt. You can't sit like this in Egypt. You'll be in trouble. 
you can't actually, like maybe there is some level of, yeah, there's inequality, there's discrimination, there's all kinds of things in American society, but there is also upward mobility, there really is, in ways that there's not in other places. Like in many places, you're born into a certain spot, and it's going to be really difficult for you to get out of that spot. Like you want an extra room in your house, it is not happening. Sorry. You want to have meat for dinner, it's not happening. Unless you get invited to a wedding or something, you're not going to be having meat, it's too expensive. Like we really do have a lot of things that we can do in this country. So the question then becomes, what am I doing with the things that I have? That's the conflict. Not doing this or that. What, I have a wajib in front of me, what am I doing with that wajib? Um, so if they're given, they're grateful. Istarja' means what? Anyone know? This is a special word in the Arabic language. When it says it's idabtulia starja', what does it mean? Huh? Yeah. They say Inna Lilahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Inna the statement Inna Lilahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun is this is the there's a verb used for that, starja'. They say Inna Lilahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. They say, we are from Allah, and to Him we return. Sometimes in our, we only think that's for death. It's not for death. Uh, the verse says, when they are afflicted by something, they say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajim. Anytime they go through any affliction, they say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajim. We're from Allah, and to Him we return. And it's important for us to think about like how profound are these statements. We are from Allah, and to him we return. Is there anything that's more beautiful and more profound and more comprehensive than this statement? SubhanAllah, it's a really incredible statement. Uh, whatever it is that I'm going through, inna lillahi. So we're yours, Allah. Whatever it is that I'm going through, I'm yours, Allah. And I'm going back to you. What is this? This is the sentiment that the Prophet is expressing when he says, he says, Allah, I'm going after Ta'if, I'm going through this and this and this and this. And if you're not upset with me, then la ubali, then it's okay. Why? Because inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. We're going through these things. We have to remind ourselves. Like when we were in Medina, we were thinking about it a lot. Like, is there anyone? For example, one of the things we were talking about. We think, you know, alhamdulillah, the the, the hearts of the believers are 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 alive. People have tremendous concern and pain for what's happening to the people of Gaza, right? What do you think the Prophet feels? No one has more concern for the believers than the Prophet. That's a real thing. The Prophet saw people actually in his imagine they were killed in front of him. You think about it, right? Like Sumayya, Yasir, they were killed in front of him, Figuratively speaking, I don't know if it happened like right in front of him, but like it's a small town, it's a small place. Everything is happening right there. People are tortured. He can't do anything about it. Sometimes this is the reality of the world. Sometimes the reality of the world is people are going through tremendous hardships and we feel incredible pain for them. And what we can do is limited. There are things we can do. I'm not saying we can't do anything. But there's things we can do. Sometimes the immediate things we can do are limited. Maybe we need to think very seriously now about what we can do long term. Because not everything is an immediate solution. Some things are 20, 30, 40 year projects. 
the Prophet ﷺ, when they're being tortured there and they're dying in front of him ﷺ, he knows in his head, this is not a two-month two project. Eventually, though, there's the conquest of Mecca. Eventually, the Arabian Peninsula is Muslim. Eventually, the Muslims have power, they have authority, so on and so forth. And it's a 20-year project, it's a 30-year project, it's a 40-year project, with the Prophet ﷺ, let alone without, without the Prophet ﷺ, people who came after him. Right? So, may Allah give us tawfiq, inshaAllah. وَإِذَا جُهِلَ عَلَيْهِ حَلُمْ وَإِذَا جُهِلَ عَلَيْهِ حَلُمْ SubhanAllah, even in English we use this, uh, use this expression. In Arabic, this is the, the original expression for jahl, for ignorance, is not that someone is not intelligent. It's that they're acting ignorant. They're acting ignorant. Like they're acting with a level of abrasiveness, a level of uh, just lack of control, right? So, إِذَا جُهِلَ عَلَيْهِ حَلُمْ means if someone acts ignorant to them, they have حِلْم. حِلْم is like such a... It's such a beautiful word. It's very difficult to translate. You can translate it, it loses like its flavor. But حِلْم is like the image that comes to mind for me. It's like if you had earth, right? You take the earth... And sometimes the earth is in such a way that like, no matter what you do to it, it stays the same. It just absorbs it. It stays the same. It doesn't affect it. Hilm is like this. person acts ignorant with them, they're steady. The Prophet ﷺ, the man comes to him, he grabs him by the coat and he pulls him so hard that it leaves the mark on his neck ﷺ. What does he do? Steady. He's like, okay. He wants this. Tells him, go ahead, give them up. Just deal with the situation. It's okay. We'll handle it. So on, so to this, so on, so to that. Okay. Let's keep moving. There's um. um <clears throat> ideally, if the if 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 the iman is strong, if the heart is strong, there's like a steadiness to the person. They deal with all kinds of things. Okay, this is a crazy situation. Bismillah. So what we're going to do. We're going to handle it. We're going to go through it. And not with like the wrong idea of that is it to understand that as being that they don't have any emotions at all. No, they probably have even stronger emotions than anyone else. And yet, those stronger emotions are all controlled and they're put in the way... Okay, but I'm going to express them the way that I want to express them. That's going to be that I'm putting my energy in this and this and this and this. We're going to do this thing and that thing and so on. And so now we have this iman. have like an emin to the person. There's a security to the person that comes from their iman. Allah give us strength. And if they know something, they become more lower. The word in Arabic for humility has the idea of lowering. So if they learn something, they become lower actually. They become lower to the ground. Um, you see this subhanAllah with some people who study Usually when people first start studying <laughs> It's the opposite effect <laughs> Usually they start studying, they get really excited They learn a lot of things and then like they kind of have this like MashaAllah And then as they start to study more and more and more, more They start to settle
one sheikh, he told me that his teacher in Maliki Fiqh, he was a great Maliki scholar. And anytime anyone would come to him and ask him a question in Fiqh, he would reach to the bookshelf, pull out the book, and look up the question in the book, and read them the answer from the book. For sure he knows it. Probably memorized the book, <laughs> you know? But out of humility, we go, we check, we make sure, we do this information. You find people very low to the ground. One of the challenges is with people like that, out of our own lack of adab and our own appreciations and stuff, we forget that they have knowledge even. Sheikh Fuad told me this. He was talking about one, uh, one of our teachers. And he said, I've seen a couple of things from him where immediately when I saw it, I didn't actually know that issue in the madhab. They're both maliki. He said, and I didn't really know that issue in the madhab. He did this thing that way and he did it. And I was like, huh. He's like, but every time I've seen that from him, with the passage of time, I found that his position is actually stronger in, in the tradition than the other position that's well known. Or that it was a better application of something in a circumstance. But when I first saw it, I didn't know it. You know? So subhanAllah, sometimes knowledge is like this. And if they teach, they have a gentleness with the way that they teach. And if they are asked, they give. If they teach, they do so with gentleness, and if they're asked, they give. This whole section is really beautiful, but it will go on and on and on if I keep going. Uh, what's our dinner situation? I can I can adjust accordingly. Ten minutes? Okay. I think that might be optimistic. Are there any other reports coming from that direction? What are we looking at? Fifteen. Okay, Bismillah. It's great. Alhamdulillah, thank you. Look at this. This is like... Ayah from the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right. Shifa'un lin qasidin wa awnun lin mustarshidin wa halifu sidqin lin siddiqin wa kahru amnin lin khaifin barrun qaribu rida fi haqqi nafsihi fa'idun himmati fi haqqi allahi ta'ala. Ajeeb. So he's continuing the description of these people. Right? What is the continues the description? Shifa'un lin qasidin that they are a healing for those who are seeking. See people who have all of these descriptions, they're a healing for those who are seeking. One of the things that I think we forget sometimes is that one of the biggest issues actually in health is what's going on inside the person's heart. It's what's going on inside the person's heart. That if a person is really well internally, externally they'll also be weller. Not necessarily it's going to take care of everything, but they'll be better. Internally, if a person is really suffering, it starts to show on their external, right? We've all seen this in our own lives. You start to see like a person's stomach is upset all the time. They're having trouble sleeping. Their trouble sleeping has this issue, it has that issue. So all of the internal issues start to show up on the external of the person. Right? 
So it shouldn't be surprising that the description of these people is that they're shifa'un min qasidin. That being in their presence and benefiting from them is a healing for those who are seeking. It heals them. Even physically. Metaphysically and physically it's a healing. And those who are seeking guidance, they're an aid for them. And Halifu Sidqin Siddiqeen, that they're like a good support and honesty and truthfulness for those who are trying to be true. And they're they're a cave of security for those who are in fear. They're a cave of security for those who are in fear. Chaplain Sundus could probably tell us stories upon stories of this issue. That like the person comes and you have a person who's like managed to attain some level of steadiness and wellness and, 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 and balance in themselves. And someone else who has a lot of fear and a lot of issues and a lot of things that they're going through. And when you put the one of them next to the other one, just that happening balances things out a little bit. Right? So they're kahfu amnin min khaifin. Right? You've probably seen this too now, Zawar, in your experiences. You know, that they, they become a, a they become a cave of safety for those who are in fear. Those who are in fear. Imagine like if, if someone's in fear and they're afraid, what would be the best place to go? Hmm? Cave, yeah. That's not what is mind for me. But a cave is true. So if, if I was overwhelmed, the number one place that I would want to be is in the presence of the Prophet I just go there. And you feel it, subhanAllah. Those who are in Umrah with us, now we're getting on a sensitive point. Might you never know, it might result in some sort of public breakdown. But you feel it when you go to Medina. Anyone who's been to Medina knows. You feel a man as soon as you enter the city of Habib It is pervasive. Is every single person they know intuitively what happens when you enter Medina. You're you're in the embrace of the Prophet at that point. It's a different thing. The sound is different, the air is different. The people are different. The whole experience is different. Every, there's no place to take a nap in the world like in the masjid of the Prophet There's no place. It's like top experience in the world. Take a nap in the masjid of the Prophet Why? Because you're in the embrace of the Prophet Everything goes away. Even if momentarily. Barun rida fi haqqi nafsi. They're loyal, they're good. They are <coughs> easily contented when it comes to themselves. Easily contented when it comes to themselves. It's not like, oh, I wanted this, I wanted that. You didn't. You know, sometimes you see, this is a sign, by the way, of false shaykhs. Intentional or unintentional? Sometimes it's not that they're intentional. It's just that maybe they didn't have a good teacher who showed them truth from falsehood. Or maybe... Maybe they're just not right. And one of the things you'll see from them is it's never enough. Whatever it is, it's never enough. Oh, why didn't you bring me this? Why didn't you bring me that? Why didn't you take care of this this way? Why didn't you take care of that that way? Why didn't you do this? You know, 
Oh, I, I need my house to be a little bit bigger. You guys need to donate more. I need, all of these things are very clear signs. Right? They're easily contented when it comes to themselves. If you remind me on this point, I'll share something after the recording. It's in your court. Ball's in your court. Okay? If you remind me, I'll, I'll share something. So when it comes to themselves and their own personal needs, they're very easily contented. When it comes to what they want and their aspirations with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have huge aspirations. Not from Allah, with Allah. Like, I want to be close to Allah. I want to know Allah. I want to worship Allah. I want a sweetness in my worship. I want high levels in paradise. I want this ba'id and himma. When it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have high aspirations. When it comes to themselves, they're easily contented. I think we'll stop here. Any questions or comments on this or on anything else, you are free to ask. Inshallah. If you don't,